Hey, Thomas, guess what? Guess what? No, you're supposed to say what? What? I have a surprise for you, and I'm very excited because you were giving me so much shit about how we haven't traveled at all in six months and how we're travel bloggers, but basically we don't travel, so I booked a trip for us. Woo! No, really? Yes, I did. I'm serious. I booked flights this morning because I thought I would surprise you with something nice. And also, we need to get out of Mexico now that we're residents. And I'm going to play a little game. Since you don't know where we're going, I thought I would uh, give you three different random facts about this country. And you're going to have to guess what country it is that I booked flights to. Are you ready? Go ahead. All right. Fact number one and very, very random. It's polite to leave a small amount of food on the plate when you're finished eating in this country. It's known as the land of volcanoes. It has more than 22, but only two are active. And last but not least, it has one of the highest murder rates in the world. Interesting. Hmm. Does that last one make you excited or scared? The last one makes me forget the other two, kind of. I thought first that you'd take me to Japan, but then, nah, too far away, I don't know. It doesn't, it's in Central America. You never America. wanted to go there anyways, but okay. Yeah, highest murder rate must be El Salvador then, huh? You know what's pretty scary though, actually? Is it? Yeah, you got it. That was the hmm. dead giveaway though. <laughs> no pun intended. The what? The dead giveaway. It's a term we use in English. But nice. my mom sent me an article when I told her we were going to El Salvador about how 62 people were actually murdered there a few days ago. And now she's begging me to um, pick another country. But you know what? As we always like to say, we like to go to the less explored places. Better not tell my mom. I won't tell her until we get there and I take a picture and she asks where we are. Then she can't say anything. But I think that's the fun part, no? Is going to these countries and... Um, having like you know literally no idea fear what to for expect. your life fear for your life yeah that too i feel like that's what our whole brand is about you know going to these countries nobody's heard of and this is a perfect opportunity it's a direct flight the flights were obviously cheap there's probably no tourists there so we'll be living it up and we're both ex-military what can really go wrong and actually we're traveling with two of our friends who are also military so we're basically just like our own little military <laughs> it's a whole army going there <laughs> literally it is so i think we should feel very safe and on that note you guys this is episode nine of the wild with you podcast and thomas and i thought we would share all of our best and our worst and our funniest army stories with you today oh yeah okay hoorah or whatever they say in the u.s army right nice yeah well there's a lot of stories i assume that we both have a lot of stories right well i hope so we wrote the script and it was pretty long well welcome to the wild with you podcast i'm your host be your wild and i'm thomas hello and as we just mentioned we're here to tell you our best and our worst army stories so where should we start i think thomas you should probably give a little bit of a backstory about your army experience what did you do in the army in the Austrian military, so it's mandatory to serve, basically. I mean, you have other options too, but yeah, mainly you go to the army. And what I did there, I was in a uh, infantry unit with, how did I say that? Well, we were also part of the representative branch of the army. So we would dress up all nice and have like... Uh, Dinner parties? Nah, it was more like when when official state visits came, like ambassadors or presidents or other military. So you're basically the decoration for the army. Absolutely, because only the prettiest guys can join. I was just going to say that. Is that, <laughs> is that really a thing? No. Oh. No, they had a, they had a height, 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 height requirement for minimum height because you know we're all standing in line so we need to just look proper is there a maximum height too no there's no maximum height i don't think no maximum weight no but i mean in the military if you're in a combat unit you cannot really be fat no you'd be surprised no well and Nah, not even in Austria we have that, I feel like. In the Israeli army, they need as many many um, combat soldiers as they can, so they'll take whatever they can get. So they don't go to the kitchen? Well, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I mean, yeah, obviously you have a physical test you have to pass, but I think 
weight is not really the problem. It's whether you can still get your fat ass to run from one side to the other. And if you can, it doesn't really matter how big or small you are. But no, jokes aside, I was in the IDF, the Israeli army. I don't know. There's so much I could say about it. I guess I served well, in... Why did you serve in the Israeli army? Okay, okay. The question, the, the million dollar question everybody asks me as an American, especially as an American girl, why would I join the Israeli army? Honestly, because I wanted a challenge. I'm not a Zionist by any means and I really am not political. I just wanted to do something totally different. Like I wanted to experience something outside of my comfort zone and I had been living in Israel before. If you listen to our previous podcasts, you know that I served on, I've served, I did not serve. I volunteered on a wildlife reserve in Israel and I kind of got to know the country and fell in love with the country and in Israel it is mandatory to serve and when I wanted to make Aliyah which is like getting my you know Israeli passport which I actually ended up not doing I will tell you about that later I was like you know what for society to accept me in Israel I'm gonna need to do the army and so many people told me that they loved it and they had an amazing experience I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life but I knew I wanted to do something different and two weeks later I drafted into the IDF actually it was like a very spontaneous decision I wasn't intending and telling the story but this will give you a really good backstory as to how fucked the military in probably all countries are I'm gonna tell you Thomas and I'm gonna see if you're not surprised at all this is that this happened so I go to draft and you go to the base right and you have to go get all of your medical exams and all of your you know background check and your whatever all that bureaucratic bullshit and I go and I get tests done because I have tattoos I had to have like HIV tests hepatitis whatever it is anyways the people doing the tests there are probably 18 years old probably not really like nurses or have much experience drawing my blood but they take my blood and then I go on a pre-army trip with my brother to Jordan so we go to Jordan and then all of a sudden I'm in Jordan and I get a call from the army and they're like uh Kelsey I'm really sorry to tell you this but we actually have to postpone your draft date from August until December because you don't have your HIV test. And I was like, what? I did the blood test last week. And they were like, no, no, somebody only just tested your levels for glucose. So basically whoever did my blood test at the army base didn't do the right medical exams. And I ended up having to wait three extra months till I could draft because of that one fucking mistake. And I was supposed to draft with my older brother and it turns out that I wasn't able to and it was really fucking annoying. And then I drafted in December. So I don't know if you have similar experiences or any three months later yeah because i drafted into what's called mcveigh alone which is a like new immigrant base for people who are not israeli citizens who don't speak the language and they only have courses starting in august and december so to do the hebrew course with the lowest level of basic training i had to wait until the next draft date that sounds horrible Yeah, I was really pissed. I mean, that should have just been like the the insight to the rest of my military experience because that's how everything goes in the army. Like nothing is ever organized, which sounds ridiculous because you'd think an army would be organized, but it's not. No, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand does. Not surprised at all in Austria. It would be exactly the same. And it's also um, the people, I also had the, these tests and the people who do this, they are also just like, they probably joined the military two or three months before you. And I'm sure they had no clue nah, what they were doing. That's exactly how it is. I mean, I feel like a lot of my, especially my medical experiences were like that within the army or any kind of paperwork that needed to be done. It just felt like it was the most like barbaric methods <laughs> but let's get back to topic thomas what made you want to join the military um it's mandatory in austria so basically we have to yeah you have to join for six months and then there is also the civil service that you can do but this is almost a year long and i mean you get paid pretty well compared to what you get uh, paid in the military but yeah, still I wanted to get the the experience let's say I always I don't know I always thought okay it's cool why not good experience maybe we'll see yeah but hmm. was it what you expected it to be Naja, I mean I knew I knew beforehand that the Austrian army doesn't have uh, has a very tight budget which is an understatement <laughs> So there's really no no money in the army, and therefore yeah, the the stuff you can do is quite limited. But yeah, still I had a very very good experience. It was really fun. If you look at it afterwards, while you're doing it, it always sucks. I would 
case, right? I feel like you always question yourself when you're talking on the podcast. Like, you say a statement and then you're like, I guess. No, it really is like that, though. I miss it now, but when I was in it, I was like, is this over yet? Like, I also volunteered. So that was by choice. I voluntarily decided to draft. I didn't have to. There were definitely moments in the military where I was like asking myself while all my friends from high school were out at college partying at frat parties and going to Cancun for spring break. And I was sitting in the middle of bumfuck desert doing guard duty for 12 hours, wondering why the hell, like, was I really thinking the right thing when I made this decision? But I think that's one of the lessons in it is now I really learn to appreciate everything and I'm trying to be in the most in the moment as I can be, you know, like even through the shittiest experiences or when things go wrong on our travels, like those are memories that we have for the rest of our life. And like when we talk about those trips we take or those experiences we had in the military, like the bad ones are the ones that stand out or like, you know, the fu- the funny ones. Like what was it like for you on a daily basis in the military? Like what did you eat? What was your sleep schedule? How much did you train? The training was pretty intense because we had the regular infantry training and also at the same time the yeah the representative um, stuff that we had to train a lot for, you know, like marching to the music and like, you know, doing the stuff with the... The, the weapon dancing? <laughs> yes, the whip, weapon dancing or however you would say to that. And yeah, so we really had a lot of... So many hours, like much more than, than other units had because of that. And yeah, it was... Yeah, it was really... It was actually pretty difficult because it was every day from... I don't know, until nine in the in the evening, you know. And, and there's many, no breaks. How many hours would they give you before bed to like get ready for sleep and stuff like that yeah, but well in training which is about three months um you have what 10 minutes 20 minutes and we had 15 minutes it's funny because in the beginning of my training i was in a all girls unit in the base that was for hebrew training for new immigrants and we had girls from you know south africa germany russia france us canada Argentina, like literally all over the world. A lot of them didn't speak English and none of us spoke Hebrew. So our communication levels were so bad. You have a bunch of girls who are running on no sleep who are in the fucking army. And a lot of them actually didn't want to be there because they were like new immigrants who made Aliyah, but like they were forced to do the army basically because it's mandatory. And then you had the people who are super motivated like me and a few other people who, well not a few, but a handful that like voluntarily, you know, wanted to be there. When we had to shower and we only had like 15 minutes to shower and you had, there were 86 girls in the entire building. And then we had, you know, our like, I don't know, platoons. I don't know what the words are in English, obviously, because I did the army in Hebrew, so I'm sorry, but we had like a tzevet, which is like a group and Sometimes our times for showers overlapped. Sometimes they didn't. Um, is the is the group the people that you're in the room with, or? Yeah. Well, we had two groups in one in one room, so we had bunk beds. I'm not sure. I don't remember how many, but let's say maybe like 20 girls in one room. We would all rush to the showers, and I feel like it was a fucking fight. Like my unit specifically, because I was the lowest level of Hebrew when I went into the army, so my unit was the least, not the least educated, but like the least knowledge on their Hebrew, right? So how did you communicate with them? In, oh my God, in it English was horrible. Ma- mainly, or? I mean, you wouldn't have been allowed to speak English, right? Not to my commanders and not really like so much around my commanders, but like in the rooms and stuff and around the girls. Yeah, like I obviously bounded with the other girls that were from the U.S. who spoke English, but I had quite a few Russians in my group and um, none of them spoke any English whatsoever. And we had some pretty bad fights break out, like between this one girl in my unit and then one of the Russian girls actually at the shooting range. Thank God it wasn't with the weapons, but at one point the American girl whipped a can of tuna at the Russian girl and then we had to ride the bus back from base and the whole bus smelled like canned tuna which by the way in the army I never would touch the canned tuna I don't know what you guys ate when you were in the middle of the I don't know training or whatever you're obviously not in the desert like I was but the middle of the fucking Alps I don't know the farms the cows where wherever you were well I can tell you when we were on the exercise in the forest or somewhere the food was a 
was really a fucking joke. Um, I mean, mainly it was good, but then we also had, we didn't have tuna, but we had this like meat in a can, basically. That sounds very questionable. Yes, especially because there's nothing on the can. It's like literally just a silver can. So where the, what, how do you know what meat you're eating? Yeah, I don't think you know. It doesn't say it's anything on there. It's probably horse meat since you guys love no, horses. No, we, we always said it's dog food because that's how it, how it tasted kind of. It didn't have much flavor. Um, yeah, and it was pretty disgusting. I, re- I never ate this shit. I've, I never. I, I don't know. I managed to eat other stuff, but at the base, the food was, I mean, it was gross, but no, I mean, it was decent, but compared to other army bases, complete joke. I I don't, (laughs) oh, really? Because they had better food? You mean, you know what's funny? I was in the Air Force, and the Air Force is known at having, at least in the Israeli army, I don't know, that the bases have better food. And I think we had decent food. Also, everything in the Israeli army is kosher as well. And in the field, when we did field training, we would get like a box for each of our groups. And like the box was tuna, canned fruit, those grape leaves with like rice inside of them covered in oil, bread, Nutella, and I think that was it. Maybe, oh, canned corn. So the guys were really nice to me in my unit because they knew I wouldn't eat the tuna, so they would always save either the canned fruit or the canned corn for me to eat. But you know what I used to do? I used to carry peanut butter and crackers with me when I would go into the field and I would take the cre- the peanut butter jar and I would buy like one of those like little mini ones and I would put it inside my vest and I would like sneak crackers and peanut butter and that was like the only source of protein and the only thing I ate when I was in the field. Sounds horrible. <laughs> I got in trouble actually by my commanders once when they found it. <laughs> yeah, I bet you did. No, <laughs> it was like the, the peanut butter woman. Being in the middle of nowhere in the desert and <laughs> we used to have this snack truck from the military that would come onto the field field in the middle of the desert with his like little you know it looked like an ice cream truck and he would like have all the chukulukim which is what we call it in hebrew and it was like all the unhealthiest snacks you could find and everybody would just buy as much as they could and shove it in the tent i wonder why they actually why would they feed you so horrible i mean that's part of the army like if you go to war what do you think you're gonna eat Yeah, I can tell you that at a U.S. Army base somewhere in Afghanistan, they have everything from McDonald's, KFC, Burger King. I mean, okay, that's also shit food, but uh, I don't know. I I mean, maybe maybe just because you're in training, they really want to like push you to your limits. I mean, we always on base, we always had like there was a small salad buffet. You could choose between two main dishes. One was vegetarian, one was regular with meat something and i mean i never had a food poisoning while i was there so that was a plus i think it was not very good but it was definitely edible food and but but i mean once i went to with with a few others we were sent to another army base in vienna and that was literally like a five-star resort you know like in really it's like in our base it was like you know you have to walk you know in a certain way you always have to greet everybody um in a certain military way you need to you know you need to behave in a certain way and you also need to look like your uniform cannot look like shit or anything yeah and at this other base i got there and it was like I don't know, like you come to some happy land or something like that, you know, like the soldiers, they were, they were like, some of them were even wearing a Birkenstock, like Birkenstocks. That sounded familiar. (laughs) Yeah, because it's like the sport uh, military base. I don't know. They play tennis there. and probably rock climbing. And they have really good food. Like, they have a selection there. I I thought this must be a joke. You, how, how is it possible that you can have such a selection of such really good food? It was great. But the question and is, did they have schnitzel? Because I had schnitzel on my army base. Yeah, sure. There's, it uh, was chicken, though. Yeah, it's probably also, I don't know, but we have a lot of Muslims in Austria, so maybe they also switched it to chicken by now. Yeah, no, we also, of course, yeah, sure, schnitzel, but what did we have schnitzel? I don't know, maybe. Maybe once or twice, but not often. Other than what kind of food you ate, like what, were you sleeping on 
Like, were you living inside a house? Was it like bunk beds? Was it just shitty mattresses? Did you have a gun? What gun did you have? Did you sleep with your gun? Did you name your gun? Answer yeah, all I those. <laughs> so I did name my gun. I don't remember what I called her though. Oh, it's a her. And yes. what kind of gun did you have? It's the, you know it from Call of Duty, it's the AUG AUG, I don't know, yeah, the, Est, the SDG 77. And yeah, very good gun, really, especially what every soldier would be thankful for with this gun is that it's really easy to take apart and therefore easy to clean. And every soldier know, knows that you basically clean your gun to death. At least in the Austrian army, All you literally time. clean the equipment to death. We go, you go shooting, you go shooting for 10 minutes and then you clean for five hours. Did you guys Normal. take your guns home? No, of course not. Okay, because in the Israeli army, everybody, well, that's not true. Not everybody takes their, their, their guns home. Actually, I never told you guys what unit I was in. So I served in a combat unit in the Air Force called the Iron Dome, which intercepts missiles from surrounding territories or countries. That sounds really cool, but it was honestly just guard duty. I did not push any button. I did not actually intercept any missiles, but I protected the missiles that were, were going to intercept. So I feel like that's an accomplishment, but we had the M16 and in Israel, you take your gun home if you're in a combat unit. And it was pretty funny because I lived in a one bedroom apartment with four people, like including myself, and all four of us were in combat units. So all four of us had weapons. And one of the rules actually is that you're not supposed to have, uh, like you're, when you go home from base, you're supposed to take apart your gun and your gun pieces have to be in different places in the house and they can't be in the same room, but we only had a one bedroom and we had four guns in the house. I always thought that was super funny or fucked up, I'm not sure. We had a lot of training on safety and a lot of like gun safety stuff, especially because you're like taking the train home with your gun, going to the beach with your gun, going out to dinner with your gun. But how does that look like? You go to the beach with your gun and then you also go in the go swimming with your gun? No, you, that, no you would have to, like you can't leave your gun alone, right? So you're not gonna be going swimming. I mean, I, I, I didn't personally really take it to the beach, but I know like you, it's not uncommon to like see people, I guess with the gun on the beach i mean in israel i feel like everybody's fucking walking around with a gun was that weird to you when you were there yes it was very weird i never saw such a armed like i mean civilian population not because they are soldiers but they run around in bathing shorts or in a fucking sweatpants at the grocery store and have a, like a rifle a machine gun on the on the back yeah, well, I forget what point you're supposed to, but like you're supposed to be in uniform when you have your gun with you, unless you're a certain rank, I believe. I don't remember. So I wasn't walking around in like stilettos and a mini dress with my gun. That's for sure. But I was carrying it around and like going to the store and, you know, taking it home on the weekends and by, you know, public transportation or whatever. So you're like sitting on the bus to base and like you got your like gun on your lap, you got your gun on your lap and then like somebody's sitting next to you on their way to work and like the tip of your gun is just like resting on their kneecap that sounds absolutely crazy welcome to israel yeah no it was great what was the coolest gun you shot or like training exercise you did well at some exercise we had a night shooting that was amazing where like the whole platoon i don't know the word in english for for this but it's funny neither of us know any but of it's a whole like two season so it's like what 35 people or something that means four machine four light machine guns and also one no two i don't know maybe two two heavy machine guns like the browning m1 50 caliber and at night this looks insane if you have the the tracer ammunition i think it's called yeah if you use this it's like star wars and the whole everybody was shooting it was fucking crazy it was awesome did you have something like this yeah we did night shooting but also my favorite experience was when i got to shoot the mog which is the big machine gun i'm only five foot three and 110 pounds and when i shot that machine gun i swear to you like my whole body was just like like shot backwards you know the recoil on it was insane but were you holding it or no i was laying on the down ground? no way i could hold that i feel like it's taller than me um that was that was a really cool experience i also have a picture with the bullets i was holding them um 
in the video version, you guys can see that. It was a really fun experience. I, I mean, honestly, the, the army was fun. Like when you look back on it, would you say it was a good experience? Yes, it was a good experience, but I also know that there's a lot of potential to make it uh, better. Mm -hmm. Like half the army experience was waiting for some bullshit. It's like waiting, cleaning is like the main things you I did at least and of course training every day massaging the fucking gun into your hips and into your elbow no not into your shoulder yes it has to be into your shoulder very hard boom boom tuck yeah needs to make proper noise i was always laughing because my training was eight months long so i had three months hebrew course training with basic training then i went into combat training and then after that i was also in the course for learning all about the iron dome which is like the anti-missile whatever shies i didn't really speak hebrew like i understood and i could get by and i was conversational and i could understand how you know run here run there clean this do that but trying to fucking understand how a rocket works in a foreign language for eight hours in a classroom in the desert with no sleep and like no good food and just you know I, I remember sitting in, in class and my best friend Roach, we would sit next to each other and we would like put each other's hands on their like thighs or whatever and we would just try to pinch each other and tickle each other to stay awake because if we fell asleep or like, you know, started falling asleep and one of the commanders saw, then they made the entire class get up and we had to go do running exercises outside to get us to wake up. I remember those classes. That's where I think I learned how to sleep with my eyes open. <laughs> Because it's, no, it's really true because you do training like oh, horrible and then you have to sit, I don't know, we always had that in the evening from like 6 in the evening until 10 in the evening and you sit there and whatever like they tell you the you know like law stuff what you're allowed to do what you're not allowed to do i don't know all kinds of things that okay so you're a soldier now that's how it works basically and yeah i really i don't think i paid a single second attention to anything they said there because i was just far too tired i know right i really don't remember half the stuff that i learned i do remember some of the training exercises do you have like a training exercise that stuck out that was the hardest well, yeah, I mean, there were a few, but we had some some good, uh, uh, well, we had a great al alpine week um, in the mountains. And there we had a... Sounds like a skiing experience. Yeah, it was almost a skiing, ex skiing experience, but uh, no, we were wearing snow boots and we were... Oh, wait, 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 I just have to, one second... Are those the Hansi Wintersee moon boots? No, it's not Hansi Wintersee moon boots. It's actually snow boots, you know, where you have... You go in with your regular shoes and then you, like, with your boots, then you get... It's like a, like a snowboard thing, I don't know. You put it on and then you can walk on snow. And we had a whole march like this up the mountain and that was that, that was one of the hardest but also really really awesome actually because the afterwards it was like holy shit how did we manage to go in this speed because the commander is always walking in front and every five minutes or so you switch uh, the first person switches off um, and and uh, falls back as the last person because of course the first one who walks yeah it's the most difficult because he has to lay the track basically for everybody else did you also have one of those like um i don't know what they're called in english what's that called a stretcher yes like a stretcher like an ambulance where you'd have to carry somebody from your team on it <laughs> yes okay like yes, they required like even if the person's not injured you had to do it we had that too yes. it's called the masa in hebrew and we had it like right before we had our graduation from our combat training no yeah, nice remember the two no <laughs> good good times for me the hardest experience was actually when we had to do this exercise crawling up a hill it was bigger than a hill or at least it felt like it was the biggest fucking hill ever and they made you crawl all the way up it right so you're wearing like your you know army boots your army uniform for the base which is like the green cargo pants which were always way too big on me and then you had like your gun or your um your vest and everything and you have to crawl up to the top 
and it was like super, super rocky and my knees were just getting so cut up and it was so painful. But once we got to the top, anybody who was still like halfway or, you know, not at the top, they, they made us go all the way back to them and we had to all climb back up together as like a team and like push the people who were like not as strong to the top. And I was just like remembering like it was so painful and I don't know, in the desert, in the heat, it makes everything so much fucking harder. I can't even imagine how that must have been because it was, I mean, in winter it was horrible, but in summer it was... I mean, super hot, even in Austria, I couldn't, it was disgusting. Imagine training in 115 degree weather. Yeah, I could, I absolutely cannot imagine how this is even possible. You lived in Phoenix, Arizona, so you kind of know what it's like. Yeah, but I didn't crawl around in the fucking desert there and I don't know, these exercises. If you close your eyes, can you imagine me doing that? Still not, no. (laughs) I really don't know what you did there or how you did that. like, who is this woman? Yeah, I just don't know how it's possible i have a funny story then since we talked because about- sorry just quickly but i mean you have to like you have to carry the same bullshit as somebody who has 50 pounds more than you at least um i mean it was for me like if you march around with the f- with your vest with your backpack and with your gun and with ammunition and all of this stuff i mean this weighs a lot physically i like look back on it and i really wonder how i how i got through it and how i accomplished some of the things that i did in the military but i do have some really funny stories and that's what somebody asked me to share was the funniest or most embarrassing stories from the military and i have a few so i'm gonna start with just some of the funny things about training were especially hilarious for me because I was in a unit with a bunch of people in the beginning who didn't speak Hebrew or English or whatever and so you had like a bunch of girls trying to follow commands which they didn't understand and the commander would just be like laughing their asses off because we would be running in 12 different directions and nobody knew what was going on and they couldn't speak to you in English because that's not like the language of the army and other people didn't speak English and it was just always such a fucking disaster. They used to fuck with us and even after I finished my military training for the Hebrew and I went to the combat training which was just like the regular military with everybody else, like we would have to get into formation which was like a chet which is a letter from the Hebrew alphabet. It looks like this looks like a half square and they would put us all in formation like that you know you have your hands behind your back you're not allowed to like move the only thing you can really do is like look with your eyes because if you move they made you stand outside the the formation and do push-ups which was also fucking horrendous and they would we had these strings on our vests which i think were used to tie the water bottles to but like you weren't supposed to have them just hanging off and one time it was during the night exercise in the field and they tied all of the strings together from our vests and then they waited and then they yelled at us to get into two lines but we were all tied together and obviously everybody just like fell over and ate shit and then the commanders were like turning around and laughing was it like that for you too like they couldn't laugh they couldn't you couldn't see your commanders laugh like show any emotion yes no they never did and i have no idea how they did that because yeah for us it was also um that we had to of course stand still and there was also like I don't know, once they let us stand outside in the in information with the you know, in presenting the gun basically and they were like, Yeah, okay, whoever moves first, they said we only have a certain amount of spots and whoever moves is out and it was absolutely horrible because you just stand there, it's super cold. They tell you like extreme like I don't know, it's just typical Austrian Viennese how they were talking and like talking about like fucking girls and but in a way that you you stand there and you're like about to shit yourself. It's like how he, I mean he, my commander was talking about how amazing it is to fuck fat women and all of this stuff and it was so wow, just standing there like the nah, I like, don't wanna continue. <laughs> I'm just like imagining because for us a lot of you know a lot of the jokes and stuff if you heard them or whatever i didn't always know what was going on either because i didn't speak hebrew that well and it's funny to look back on it because i feel like our commanders probably made so much fun of us they probably witnessed so much shit that was so embarrassing but you want to know what the most embarrassing thing i did was i feel like i've already told you the story thomas but it is one that i will never forget and i feel like i deserved it in the idf you have your military 
on base uniform, and then you have your olive, which is the one that you wear when you go home. I'm sure you have something similar. Most militaries probably do. And because I was in the Air Force, my unit has like a khaki color, whatever, khaki color uniform. And I wanted to look good in it. So my going home uniform, I took to a seamstress and I asked them to fit my pants for me. And I had them sew my pants tighter so they would be form fitting. So they were nice and tight on my legs. And then they like weren't baggy on my ass. So you could see that I had like this nice little booty. So I had my uniform fitted. I still have that uniform actually hanging in my parents' house. Do you have yours? I have, uh, yes, I have a lot of stuff from the army at home it would be funny one day to like put those on together but anyways i go to base on a sunday right we're just going back to the to the army and i'm wearing my going home uniform and i have my gun and everything and we get off the bus and our commanders instantly yell at us to run and do some exercises and i was pretty competitive and i always wanted to be the fastest blah 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 so i instantly start running at the fastest speed that i could at eight in the morning in you know the desert and there was this just imagine like you know when you go to park in a parking spot they have those like cement like blocks i absolutely know what you're talking about yeah and i like had to run over it to get to where the commander yelled at us to run to but my pants were so fucking tight that i couldn't clear the cement block and i tripped and i tripped over the block and onto the cement and everybody who was running behind me because i was at the head of the line tripped over me and fell on top of me i ripped a hole in the pants of my uniform in the crotch and the knee and i chipped my front tooth i'm speechless this sounds really horrible <laughs> that's one of those times where i can only imagine like imagine it in slow-mo like me being like yeah you know and then like the commander being like no <laughs> and then me just bam face planting yeah i had to leave the army base and go back like two hours drive to a dentist to have my tooth put back in and i actually tipped my tooth twice in the army which i don't know it's not that funny but that story always cracks me up because that's what i get for trying to look hot in the military i understand but it's it's really <laughs> retarded it was a great experience yeah we also had um because we lived in the desert in tents and so when we had to close shabbat which basically means that we had to stay on base on the weekends we were like really wishing that we had a pool on base that we could use but we were you know still in training so we were basically the bottom feeders and we couldn't do anything fun and so i have this picture and if you're watching the video version you're gonna love it of all of me my friends from my tent in my unit and we're wearing our military uniforms with bait bathing suits over it that's how we would spend like our our weekends on base pretending that we are going to pool parties and stuff why did you even have bathing suits there that's a good question i don't know if we had some kind of a i don't know maybe we went to the dead sea or something i i don't know like after before not necessarily with the army but like just on our own i don't remember but it was it was it's a funny it's a memorable photo for sure it was yeah it was like i don't even know i feel like there's so many funny stories that i could talk to you about and now that i'm thinking back on it i kind of miss it do you miss the army sometimes Certain aspects, maybe, yeah. Kelsey, if you could go back to these amazing days in the army, is there anything that you would change or anything that you would do differently or maybe maybe some piece of advice? Well, I'll start with what I would do differently. Um, I'm very happy because I knew that I wanted to challenge myself and do a combat unit, but I actually always dreamt of being in a different unit that actually works with like the military dogs and I really wanted to join that unit and now like obviously I'm glad I did what I did but if I could have gone back and I could do it differently I think I would have drafted into that unit instead is there any um, requirements or special requirements that you need to meet in order to get into this unit well, not to get into the, well, of course, to get into the unit in the sense that you have to pass like the military check for like your physical health and all that stuff. Yeah, okay, of course. But I was but already, that was already approved. Like the, I, I already passed that. Yes, but any specific things like do you need to be above average in, in like the, the tests that they do at the beginning? Do you need to have a certain score or something? Yeah, I think it's out of 100 from what I remember. And I think 
like most people in the combat units have to have like over 80 something. I'm pretty sure I had like 96 or 95 or something. I, I, I didn't have any like physical problems, no health problems, no eyesight problems. I, you know, passed like the Hebrew exam to a minimum. Maybe that would be my only thing. But otherwise, everything was was a okay to go. So I would have maybe done that. It's called Karakal. I have a friend who was in it. And most of it is actually honestly all the same. It's all guard duty. But the basic training itself was higher level than the one that I did. And I think if I would have done that, I would have served three years instead of a year and a half. So in the end, I'm glad with what I decided and I wouldn't change it. But I think that if I did do it again, that's what I would have chose. But I definitely miss it. And honestly, what I miss the most is like the family aspect of the military. And when I say family, I don't really, really mean the people in my unit, but more so the people that I met because we were all called lone soldiers. So people who are living and serving in Israel that don't have any family in Israel, we kind of like created our own family. And so on the weekends and stuff, when we were home from base, we would go out and party. We would like have dinners together. We would go to the beach together. We would spend holidays together. You know, me meanwhile, everybody in the army who was Israeli, they would go home and their mom would do their laundry and cook their meals for them. We would have to go home and we had less than 24 hours to be home. And we had to pay our bills, do the grocery shopping, cook our meals, do our laundry. So it was just like this really crazy, hectic, like, holy shit. We felt like such adults. Meanwhile, everybody else was like, oh, can't wait to go home. Mom's going to clean my dirty socks and cook me a nice dinner tonight. That must have been crazy to... Like, I mean, you spend all your time on base and then on the weekend you have to rush and and all of this in a foreign country. It's really, really crazy. Yeah, it was definitely not easy. Um, being in the military, as you know, is not easy. But being in a foreign military with no family and not speaking the language was extremely challenging. And um, it taught me a lot of lessons. But it did have a lot of fun things. Like, you know, we were so desperate to have fun on the weekends that we would go out and, like, we would just get so shit-faced on the weekends. And then we'd wake up and have to go to base at 7 a.m. And I swear, those times that we would go back on the bus and we would be sitting there, like trying so hard not to vomit and trying so hard to make it through the first day back on base i feel like i can get through anything now yeah those are the worst because there's literally nothing you can do and your Just commanders don't give two no shits. no they will if they notice that somebody of us is hung over then they will make you vomit they, yeah, will they will do everything they will do everything to fuck you as hard as possible if they see that you're hung over so yeah we also had i don't know in the morning because you have to you know you you have to get up and then you stand i don't know somewhere in formation and the commander gives you the whatever tells you the daily bullshit there it's already happened that um people who were hung over that they just collapse they just first thing in the morning face plant into the uh, concrete and Oh, good morning. Yeah. Oh, God. I know. Like secretly hiding behind the tent and vomiting on a Sunday. Because we had, you know, in, in Israel, Sundays are Saturdays. Mondays are Sundays. Yeah. So Sundays are like the beginning of the week because Shabbat is on Saturday and Friday. And yeah, we would go back to base Sunday extremely hungover and like trying to hide it and stuff. Yeah. I mean, base life was nice. Great times. Really, really loved it. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, because you told me at one point that you guys had giraffes on your base. Like we didn't have any animals, maybe some scorpions or something, but you guys had fucking giraffes. What was that all about? Well, yeah, we... <laughs> Um, so the base where I was at, it's it's pretty close to the zoo in Vienna, and they had some kind of like one of the giraffes gave birth or something, and it couldn't be with the other giraffes for some reason. I don't know. So they were just like we were put on our military base. They Did built. They have names? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they had names, but I don't know the names. I know that uh, I think that the ponies, we had ponies also on base. They were carrying the drums, the big drums from the uh, music. I'm trying to imagine this in my head and it sounds like a circus. <laughs> yes, it really is like a circus. But that, that's the best job if you can take care of the ponies, you know. I want to take care of the giraffes. I mean, yeah. did they have ranks? Were they technically like in the military? No, only the ponies had ranks in order for so that nobody abuses them. Oh my God. 
Yes, yes, of course, because if the pony is like five ranks above you, then all of a sudden you have a lot of respect for this fucking pony. (laughs) And it actually, it really is like that. I mean, I never touch them or anything but i saw them and yeah but the the giraffes were pretty fun like when at night when you have guard duty or patrol and you just uh, completely useless walk around the base and look that everything is okay or secure or whatever bullshit (laughs) yes exactly also to see okay are the giraffes doing fine or is anything going on with them and yeah no they were the stars on our army base (laughs) it's funny that you had giraffes because when i was working on the wildlife reserve we had ostriches and that's actually how i decided it got the inspiration to name my gun uh, after the ostrich, I named my gun Reginald because I remembered like walking around the wildlife reserve with the ostriches and I felt the same when I was doing guard duty on the base. But we had like four hour shifts for our guard duty and I feel like those four hours felt like the longest hours of my life. And did they ever forget uh, did they ever forget you there <laughs> that <laughs> happened to me once oh my god but... yes it happened to me and it was horrible i swear it was like a six hour shift and i was so hungry and of course this time i didn't have my peanut butter with me and i did have my cell phone and i remember texting my mom telling her to book me a flight i was just gonna drop my weapon leave it in the fucking tower and i was gonna hop the highway or whatever just get the fuck out of there and just go home because you know i wasn't an israeli citizen they probably you know never let me back into the country but i was like that was my i'm done with this kind of day eventually somebody came and got me but it was it was it was shit how long did they leave you out there and where were you we were on on a training exercise somewhere in the forest and i was injured actually and when you're of I had a, I don't know, my ankle was really fucked. That Yeah, that was when my ankle was fucked. So anyways, everybody who who was sick or not possible to participate at that time, of course, they, like, the commanders hate you. Yeah? Even if, yeah, you, if, oh if you break your leg or something, they will try everything to, because they make you feel like you're just lazy. Oh, oh you're lazy. You don't want to uh, participate, blah, blah, but you actually can't. Eh? I wonder so, if they train that in the commander's courses to hate on the people who are injured, because I had the same experience when I had tendonitis in my leg. My commanders didn't believe how much pain I was in. And no matter like what, I, I literally vomited because I was in so much pain. And then they were like, oh, okay, we believe you. No for us yeah they so they put us in a in a transporter and they drove us without guns without a vest without anything just the way we are in uniform and with a jacket and like the winter uniform because it was actually winter and fucking cold so at the entrance of this (laughs) of the exercising area or whatever the military zone whatever you call it they just dropped us off at it's a Schranken in German. I don't know. It's a. So tell me more about this Schranken. So the Schranken is some kind of a barrier that, uh, like, when you go into a parking lot and it opens, you know, like a paid parking or whatever, and it opens up and you can go in, whatever. And they let us stand there and they were just like, all right, um, we will bring you tea and something to eat. And yeah, just stand here and don't do anything so we were standing there all we did was smoke cigarettes and freeze our asses off um there was no chairs or anything nothing you literally just stand on a dirt road in a field and the only thing besides cigarettes that we were all carrying was painkillers and was that allowed yes because the doctor just gives it to you i don't know they just, <laughs> we all just got the same bullshit painkiller that doesn't do much but anyway so we were so bored and so pissed and it we just thought this is such a fucking joke instead of standing here like some idiot with a with a fucked up ankle i should lay in bed so that i can participate Rest. sooner but no i have to stand in the freezing cold okay so for like i don't know we stand there for four or five hours nobody ever came with anything any tea that was all bullshit nothing yeah we started to run out of cigarettes and then somebody had the glorious idea to just uh, put on the on top of the metal schranken thing put the painkiller on and just somehow crush it and then we snorted painkillers off of the fucking schranken in the 
cornfield bullshit in the freezing cold. But I can tell you, they were not strong, but we did enough of them that we were not cold anymore. Honestly, that's not where I thought that story was going, but that's pretty hilarious. I guess that leads me to my next question. What skills did you learn from the army? <laughs> well, I learned... Besides snorting pills. <laughs> I learned a bunch of stuff. I learned how to handle certain guns. Only the ones I trained with, of course. And I learned how to measure distances. So I can tell you how far something is away, which is very important. <laughs> really important. Okay. And... For some reason, I feel like you don't, though, because when we go on road trips and I'm driving and you're giving me directions, you literally just point to the side of the highway and you'll be like, I'll be going 80 miles an hour passing the exit. And then you'll be like, duh, get off the exit here. And I'm like, babe, you didn't give me any warning. Yeah, but it's the navigation system. It's a navigation system and not my failure. That's why usually you drive from now on because you're horrible with directions. So I guess you didn't learn directions in the military. No, we usually got lost. Oh, that's actually also a funny story. We had a great exercise, our last one, I think. Very big one. And we had a whole convoy of, of trucks that was bringing our unit into the combat zone, more or less. But like combat zone? Do they have in Austria? Of course not. Like oh, a, like a training? Yes, of okay. course. And yeah, we apparently our commanders um somehow lost orientation and our whole convoy went through a minefield and i'm guessing that was also not really a minefield no no but it, it was just for the exercise it would just said okay well this field here is a minefield don't go through there or whatever you know in order to god knows what yeah but anyways our commanders so blew up basically yes we were yeah, hypothetically, oh, we were all dead, yeah. Well, good thing you guys didn't have to really go into combat, because that could have really ended badly. See, see. No, good, no, really. That's why also never, if Austria has a war or something, I'm for sure not participating in this. You know, well, that's one of the questions I feel like, do people ask you this? Or maybe not, because it's the Austrian army, but every time I tell somebody I served, they always ask me if I ever killed anybody. Well... Clearly, in the Austrian army, I don't. I think since 90%. second, no, since Second World War, I don't think an Austrian soldier actually killed anybody. I mean, I didn't kill anybody either, but obviously, it's different. I think in the Israeli army because you know we do have a lot of conflicts with Gaza and Palestine and Lebanon and all that stuff. Um, thankfully, I. I never experienced that. But on a happier note, what was the biggest lesson that you learned? From your military service probably the biggest lesson was that you have to be patient and that you just sometimes have to switch your brain off and just do as you're told even though you know it's the absolute most worthless bullshit that ever doesn't, make any, sense doesn't make any sense at all it's even contraproductive but still we do it all right and i used to get very angry about things like this in the beginning but then you need to just learn to accept it and just who gives a shit it's over at one point <laughs> what about you was there something like this well for me i think it's just like going with the flow of things is something i really learned i have learned that a lot of things aren't in my control so you know I notice it a lot when we travel and stuff and I feel like maybe that's why we also do really well traveling together especially to these like crazier places or less traveled places or more exotic you know things usually are out of our hands and whether that means we book an Airbnb we get there and the Airbnb looks nothing like the photos and we're sleeping on a really uncomfortable bed or the water doesn't run we're trying to travel somewhere and the bus line is non-existent and we're at the wrong bus station and I don't know it just makes me think of the army because that happens so many times where just everything started to go wrong or I always thought it was so funny because in Israel when I got my my um, bank account opened I opened it in the north of Israel and I served in the south of Israel but when I needed to go to the bank because it makes very logical sense I could only go to the bank where I opened up my bank account so if I needed to do something I'd have to go all the way six hours by bus just to get something done from the bank you know and those are things that 
probably pertain more to living in foreign countries than like necessarily the army but also in the army like like you said just shit doesn't make any sense and i don't know who's commanding who to do these stupid ass fucking things and some of the training and some of the rules it you just like i don't know at one point it's just laughable and you're just like okay this is the army like i'm not surprised with this one you know and so when life hands you that stuff in real world settings and not just in military settings you're a lot like more used to just dealing with it right yes absolutely you're used to dealing with (laughs) difficult situations and yeah especially for the for the head difficult things to wrap your yeah to wrap your head around well what would be the biggest piece of advice you would give to somebody who's about to join like what do you wish you would have known before you enlisted don't have expectations like just let it come to you how it is yeah but try to make the best out of the time yeah really enjoy it enjoy it for what it is i mean it's gonna be shit and it's gonna be hard and it's not gonna make sense but it's totally worth it try to challenge yourself as much as possible because i think when you get out like like we said you're probably gonna miss it a little bit so definitely enjoy it and i would also say get a little bit physically fit before i think if you're gonna do combat especially even just for the lowest level of basic training it's nice to not feel like you're fucking dying when you have to run um i don't know if you trained before but i started doing crossfit before i enlisted and that was really helpful for me i think yes i was always training some kind of things sports and so on but not specifically for the army because yeah. i also saw what kind of like i drafted also with some people who have thought now could be fitter what were three things that you would say from your experience that a soldier absolutely needs or something to what bring to base maybe well three things that i can't live without or couldn't live without when i was in the army was i brought a journal to base and i did a lot of journaling i know that sounds a little bit ridiculous but even if it was just for five minutes and i really want to find that fucking journal somewhere and read those stories because i bet you they are hilarious to look back on as you know peanut butter highly recommend you carrying a little bit of peanut butter it goes a long way and a piece of home so for me especially because i was away from home home like continents away from my family and everything I knew I was pretty homesick a lot and I have a stuffed animal which I will put on the video version of this Thomas knows her Um, her name is Fluffy and she's been everywhere with me and when I say everywhere it's funny how you say that oh yeah Thomas knows her well I also sleep with fluffy since over six years now since we met i've never gone a night without sleeping with her it's actually because of the military that i sleep with fluffy on my face it's it's funny to look back on and slightly embarrassing but fluffy was my eye mask let's say when i was in the tent and i was going to sleep and we're you know the commander comes in to say good night some of the other girls were in a different group than me so they were on a different sleep schedule than me and so they would have the lights on because it was their time to like do everything they needed to before bed but it was our time to sleep so I would take Fluffy and I would put her over my face and I would sleep with her over my eyes and I just got really accustomed to that and so to this day actually I sleep with her on my face and she's also extremely disheveled she does not look like a stuffed animal she used to be white she's actually black now she looks like she's so more combat than both of us together oh my god it's so true it's actually disgusting because I can't really wash her but she does smell like home she feels like home and I couldn't have gone through the military without fluffy on my face my brother called her pancake actually because she's so flat now but I would definitely bring something that reminds you of home um, especially if you're going overseas or something like that and headphones I used to listen to music and stuff when I was laying in bed at night and now actually with podcasts being a thing I think you could listen to podcasts when you're going to sleep that really helped me like have like some me time and some time away from the military and to forget about everything it was very awesome talking about the army experience I love podcasts wow that was really a great way to end the episode Thomas (laughs) I have to say though I agree because we have all these topics we want to talk about and then when we really start getting into it I feel like so much more comes out than we expected to talk about and it's actually really nice to have all these memories just like now I'm missing my friends from the army I feel like I'm gonna reach out to them hopefully they'll listen to this episode as well but it's been a great time and uh, if you guys ever have any other questions you want to ask us about our army stories please feel free to reach out. We are both an open book here, right, Thomas? He loves talking about his his life. Absolutely love it. I love sharing with you guys. <laughs> Aw, this little family that we've 
created. Well, I'm currently petting Maya, one of our rescue dogs right now, and I actually just had a really good idea, Thomas. You want to hear what it is? Please go ahead. Why don't we do an episode next week about our dogs and about how we travel with them and how we take care of them and our whole story on how this little mini rescue we created started. Great idea. We should probably do that next time for everybody who is interested in dog, dogs, dog, dog, dog rescuing, dog traveling, yeah, and dog we can talk spoiling. Up, we can talk up the dogs so maybe somebody will want to adopt them um, because having four dogs is just extremely ridiculous and crazy. But that's how we like it. So we are definitely going to cover that for next week. Maya will not let me stop petting her. And uh, why don't you plug us? Thank you, Kelsey. Yes, you can find um, this. I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you probably found it somewhere between Spotify and Apple Music. Um, on the other hand, you can also follow us on YouTube under The Wild With You or on Instagram or and every, you know every week i have like this hope that you're gonna get better at doing this plugging but you're just not you're not you gotta be like enthusiastic these people want it you know you gotta give them the reason to follow us i mean every thursday we drop a new youtube video and a new OFTV video we drop our podcast every monday follow us on instagram follow us on youtube wherever the hell you want to follow us that would be awesome don't forget to give us a rating and review on spotify on fucking apple podcasts god knows what (laughs) i'm losing my mind all right guys thanks for listening to the wild with you i can't believe next week's gonna be episode 10 i hope you're excited Oh, that's a jubilee. The fuck is a jubilee? I don't know, a jubileum in German. (laughs) Alright guys, that's it for me, I can't. Alright, next week, enjoy the jubilee episode. Thanks for listening, until next time. Hasta la vista, baby.